Hello and welcome to the Raider Wave podcast. I am your host, Joe Helsing. It is Tuesday, October 11th, and today we will be looking at the Raiders-Chiefs matchup. The Raiders just coming short in a sloppy second half against the Chiefs. Um, look, a lot of things to discuss. We know this. We know the outcome of this game and the potential of what it means for the Raiders in this division and in this conference and what theoretically the rest of the season could look like. And, um, you know, there's so many things to discuss. It was such a dynamic game. You know, it was one of the, it was the first game I actually got to watch live this season because I'm, I'm out of market. So I'm having to watch everything after it's already played. So it was nice watching a game and not knowing the outcome. Um, but so many different things. Uh, first thing we'll do is just kind of go over the box score um, and then kind of just talk about in detail, you know, what we're kind of seeing in real time. You know, I was um, listening today to, you know, all these different broadcasts and reports and everybody has to, you know, give their two cents on uh, Josh McDaniel's playmaking ability or uh, play calling ability, um, this two-point conversion thing, the hit on car. Um, you know, all of these things that just takes away from, you know, the essence of the game. And when you just look at the stat sheet, the box sheet, and you just see that, you know, Patrick Mahomes had four touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey, people think that they have the complete story on this thing. And it's just disappointing on so many levels that, um, you know, we have to sit here and listen to these criticisms um, simply based on, you know, oh, a one in four team essentially. And then the Kansas city chiefs. And then we'll just talk about Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and go on with that. So we'll go into detail about what really went on, uh, in this game, you know, what we can kind of take away from it and what we can kind of carry, uh, with ourselves, you know, throughout, um, this bye week and throughout the rest of the season, you know, there is a, there is a silver lining to all of this. We know that, uh, transition, usually doesn't happen as smoothly as um, something like we're seeing with the New York Giants right now and uh, Brian Dayball, stuff like that. So so I wouldn't go as far as to say that I like what I'm seeing, but you can see tangible growth within this team and within this unit uh, that the more that they play together. And, you know, um, it's just a few isolated events, um, you know, just as this team continues to play and get together, and become a unit, then, um, you know, hopefully, theoretically, these things will be cleaned up. It's just the fact that, um, you know, this is something you'd like to see maybe in camp. So, you know, and here we are five weeks into the season. But, you know, you got to you figure it out when you figure it out, right? Uh, so with that, we'll go right into the box score. Look, uh, Raiders offense, for the most part, has been looking uh, more efficient as the weeks go on. Um, Josh, or, uh, Josh Jacobs, of course, had that big game. Um, last week against Denver, this game, we were able to lean on him again, uh, you know, 21 carries for 154 yards. He looks healthy. Um, some of those runs in the second half, you can see him like he's getting banged up a little bit because he takes so much contact. We talked about his strength and yards after contact and the type of runner he is and where he's at right now. And, um, just basically how, how comfortable he's, he's looking and how, you know, quick and crisp a lot of his cuts are. Even our boy Aikman, uh, made a couple of different comments on just how crisp some of these cuts were looking by uh, Josh Jacobs. And we it, it was nice to see the Raiders run the ball as effectively as they did. Um, you know, long and short of it is, look, we're still lacking some red zone inefficiency. 
which, you know, I guess we can kind of lean into maybe why that two-point conversion call um, may not have been the best way. But look, you know, you can you can have your opinion on that. I can have my opinion on that. You know, at the end of the day, it was uh, Josh McDaniel's decision, him being the head coach, you know, we're, we're not going to rip this guy apart. You know, that, that game, uh, that play, the two-point conversion call, the, des- the decision to go for two instead of the extra point, you know, look, um, that didn't make or break the game on this. You know what I mean? The Raiders still were, were expecting a couple of things to work out the way they did, and they still had the ball at the end of the game. So we can't really fault the coaching on this, um, at least as far as, um, you know, as a whole. This game wasn't lost by coaching alone, correct? Um, you know, so moving on, look, Derek Carr had a, a, a semi-decent game. He's still struggling to throw the football, um, and we're still struggling to put together solid drives where he looks comfortable in the pocket and he's getting good ball distribution, right? Um, currently, with this iteration of this offense kind of picking up, becoming more proficient, even with, um, you know, we're still kind of leaning so heavily on the run that we're just kind of getting some chunk plays. And we're just kind of, and currently it looks like Derek Carr is basically just leaning on Devontae Adams' skill set to help him get some of these catches because Derek Carr's accuracy isn't there. Uh, Mac Collins had a couple of key essential drops in this game, which um, definitely limited some of that production in the first half. And Darren Waller, you know, uh, leaves after six snaps into the game with uh, an apparent hamstring injury. And, I mean, that was probably one of the most frustrating things to see. Um, I think so much of this game plan going into this week was probably built around um, different looks with Waller and what we could kind of do in the middle of the field, to basically using him to stretch the field and then letting Devontae Adams kind of pick up. You know, I feel like Waller was probably a key essential piece going into this game, which probably why we saw some of those early looks to Mac Hollins that almost felt forced early on. I think that was typically what they're trying to do with Waller, essentially. And look, trying to even... Even the fact that we were able to run the ball as well as we were with just a single tight end in, on the field, uh, I mean, that's. I mean, it was nice to see some of these jumbo sets um, with you know six offensive linemen in there and things like that. But still, um, which I'm I'm all for that. Let's we we can run those as much as we want to, but that doesn't mean we don't want to be able to run uh, you know twelve man personnel. And um, look, you know, I just have to take a moment now to talk on Waller because. Um, you know, like more or less, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to rip the guy apart or anything like that. But um, from essentially the off season onward, we've seen um, just has he's not he doesn't seem focused. He doesn't seem locked in. Um, we saw some uh, uncharacteristic drops. Um, we we he's so inconsistent play on the field and then inconsistent messaging off the field. Right. So we kind of had. Even just going to this week, there was notes of some sort of shoulder thing. And then I think there was also like also rumblings of a concussion, but we didn't really know the exact details of it. The only thing that was disclosed to us was that he was in a non-contact jersey for the early part of the week, expected to play, fully fully healthy to play. And then it, you know, I, I rewatched the, you know, the, the six plays that he was in. I didn't see anything even on his part that noted a real injury on the field. So look, man. You know, we can we, we don't need to go into the details of that. I'm just saying more or less his his attention doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to be focused, doesn't be locked in, and it's disappointing to see because I feel like he's such a crucial piece of this offense. And um 
and we can see the difference with him not being out on the field, right? All of a sudden, our offense looks a little bit different without him on there when it's just Devontae Adams and Renfro on the outside. It doesn't seem as menacing, doesn't seem as much potential in there. I mean, I know Matt Collins is good, and he's coming along. Um, but still, you know, we he's no Darren Waller. I mean, that's an essential piece. We need to have, you know, a legitimate tight end one, especially without Foster Moreau in the field right now. Um you know, this coupled with his overall body language on the sideline uh, throughout the game, it's just, you know, it's just disappointing, man. Um, I hope it works itself out. I love Darren Waller. I think he's great. We all we've all know what he's capable of and how awesome he is. I'd like to f- get this thing figured out. And hopefully, you know, I mean, look, for the most part, we I think we have a pretty good feeling that we should be coming out. <laughs> what, what this offense looks like coming out of the bye week should probably, I think, um, we could probably assume that that's what we're going to expect for the, from this point of the season going forward. You know what I mean? Off a of bye week, off a of hard loss, off of this, all these, you know, excuses world central, right? Where we're just getting back into hard work. This, this, I'm assuming this, this team is going to come out very, very crisp against Houston in week seven. So, um, and if it doesn't seem like that, then we can start to talk about, you know, some of this morale, some of this culture, you know, we can really start trying to worry if, you know, these things are, haven't been addressed yet. Right, because they probably should have been addressed. We're given the benefit of the doubt here. They still haven't been addressed. You know, we've 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 kind of mentioned them, um, but if we can't come out of the bye week with something like figured out and uh, some sort of passing attack to complement our boy Josh Jacobs here, just having career game after career game, then you know what's what's the point of this thing? You know what I mean? Why 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 bring in one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in football? If all we're going to do is, you know, pad his stats. So, look, I don't want to talk negatively, um, you know, about this team at all. We, I think we all know how talented this team is and what the potential is. So there's no real reason to kind of start any sort of dialogue of infighting or, uh, you know, I guess non-constructive critique is what we'll call it. Um, but look, you know, looking at this game in general, uh, the Raiders' defense was awesome. Crosby had a great game, uh, you know, starting out. I mean, look, that first half, what, us being able to disrupt Kansas City from establish any sort of rhythm and then be able to actually accumulate points, solid, solid, right? I don't think anybody really – I think that we pretty much stunned that whole stadium. The Raiders' defense basically shut them out. They didn't like any of that. And when Carr got that call, I mean, that place was like, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so much that the Chiefs are actually losing. It's also the fact that, you know, now the calls aren't going their way. I mean, it's – but, you know, back to the game, um, look, you know, the Chiefs made uh, some second-half adjustments like every team in the league does, and um, basically they're running the ball away from Crosby um, and basically kind of doubling Chandler Jones and then basically trying to just do some pull runs with that. I mean, we saw a couple different levels of misdirection. Uh, the most disconcerting thing, I think, for me was on, you know, the Chiefs had essentially two drives down the field where, um, you know, a little bit up-tempo, not too much up-tempo, but, you know, quick enough where the defense was having trouble getting set. They, they looked a little bit unsure. And, you could, I mean, you could tell basically they'd bring up, um, sometimes they'd bring a running back up, so they're running an open backfield, and then he'll drop back again. Sometimes they'd run two backs in the back, uh, two back set, and they'll bring, like, a wide receiver down and then kind of beat, like, there was there was a lot of different formations. Guys were having a hard time lining up. I mean, you could definitely see it. And they were, you know, they were doing that on purpose. It's just Andy redoing this, this, and this. And then, 
I mean, but look, for the most part, essentially cut down Kelsey except for in the red zone. I mean, we saw some of these problems already in the with the linebacking core um, in the Chargers game. We saw it in the Arizona game. Um, you guys just kind of struggling struggling in coverage, especially with tight ends. I mean, we kind of noted that, um, or I kind of noted that, you know, I we it looked like we were still pretty much susceptible to tight end usage. And uh, it's basically been cut down to basically short, short yardage situations, i.e. the red zone. Um, you know, there was um, to Patrick Graham's credit because everybody kind of wants to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, how could you not know they're going to Kelsey in the red zone? He's already got two touchdowns. Oh, now it's three. Oh, now it's four. You know, look, they knew they were going to Kelsey. And for the most part, everybody was lined up correctly. And so Patrick Graham, you know, to his credit, even on these, even on these solid drives the Chiefs were having, and where we looked like we were struggling in coverage and on some short pass situations, um, you know, to Patrick Graham's credit, there's always a guy there. He's just not making a play, right? Um, similar to kind of in that uh, Chargers game where it looked like, especially for most of that first half, you know, coverage was good, but the guys were just playing soft coverage. You know, to me, that just looked like. Um, like, yeah, it's the first game of the season. They're used to playing in training camp and practice, so they're not, you know what I mean? Like, they need to just get a little bit more aggressive in a certain, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta tackle this dude, right? Where, like, this game, it that felt from, like, confusion, right? So it's like, you know, we saw this defense look very, very different in the first part of the game um, because I feel like everybody could kind of just, like, oh, there it is, and then just go 100%, right? Now, now when, um, you know, basically all the secondary anytime that we were just a little bit of misdirection to confuse them you could see that they were you know having trouble having trouble committing after that so that's why it kind of looks kind of soft or you know what I mean guys would just kind of go 100% I mean we saw Perryman kind of do that in the red zone we saw that I mean I mean really some of these things is like for to the defense's credit they're able to still get a stop when they needed to and give us the opportunity to score points at the end of the game to win it, right? So, you know, Patrick Graham, like we've talked about, um, he has the ability to scheme well, and he has the ability to make guys, you know, give guys the opportunity to improve, right? So, you know, he can't do everything for them, but, um, you know, it forces guys to get better type of deal. So hopefully that's what we'll see, and then if not, it just looks like everybody gets blown up. But for the most part, look, our players are improving. They're picking up the scheme. They're doing these things like that. So look, we're watching real-time growth in the field. It only sucks because now we're one in four, and you know a lot of people don't like that, man. A lot of people don't want to like watch the Raiders lose on Monday night primetime football and then hear about it, right? To the Chiefs and watch the Chiefs fans. I mean, they they were about to riot, man. If the Raiders if the Raiders would have got a touchdown after that car hit, um, that place is they're gonna burn that building down, man. They're seeing red. Literally, literally and figuratively, I guess. Um, no, look, I can. Uh, I guess I can relate to being passionate. Sure, you know, you know. Um, but look, we knew that this was going to be a struggle. I mean, what was upsetting to me, or just kind of disheartening to me, was that you know, if you listen to this episode, the episode before this coming in, you know, our, our kind of uh, you know pregame look at the game. Um, wrap up, you know, kind of what we're looking at, some key matchups to pay attention to. Legereus Sneed, you know what I mean? We were able to, you know, silence him. How He was being, you know, taunted by our boys, uh, Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck early on in the game for his ability to be a pass rusher and this, this, and this. For the most part, it was completely silent, you know what I mean? He did have that one hit on Devontae Adams, but look, 
you know, he was he was in high coverage to just basically take off the top of the field. So, you know, basically limited him as a pass rusher. Chris Jones had minimal impact. We knew the week, the big, the interior of our line was probably susceptible. You know, he came through a couple of times, but for the most part, offensive line held up well. That's with no tight end one or tight end two. Um, we were able to still run the ball effectively. The real part of this, you know, the real thing that's missing from this team right now is a cohesive unit between Derek Carr. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming the offensive line, maybe, because I feel like that's what he thinks. And then Josh McDaniels, right? Um, Derek Carr just isn't there yet. Uh, McDaniels, I think, um, you know, there was uh, some rumblings uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then also at the, after the Denver game that, you know, Josh McDaniels is just making things too hard. He just needs to, you know, dumb it down and simplify it and all these types of things. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't really see that as being the case. I think that what Josh McDaniels is asking Derek Carr to do right now isn't too much. I think that Derek Carr is still just kind of, I mean, look, for all the, all the stuff we've talked about, uh, you know, now it's, I guess it's a little bit better. I'll say six times out of 10 at the line of scrimmage. Anytime he's calling things out, I don't understand. I don't, I don't feel like he needs to do that. You know what I mean? It, it, when, a, when a blitz comes down or he wants to, you know, pull something up or make some sort of change, you can visibly tell that he causes more confusion amongst his teammates, amongst his offensive line. Um, and especially trying to do that type of, those types of things, you know, in Arrowhead. We, look, I don't expect a quarterback to not be able to make, you know, audibles or read the defense and call things out, but I expect him to do it fast and I expect them to do it on a level where they can communicate it efficiently and effectively to the rest of their team. And if their team aren't, isn't getting that on the field, then when they're on the sideline, when you're at practice, all these other things, like you're, you're the reason that they know now. You know what I mean? That's not anybody else's responsibility. And I don't really see that assertiveness from, from Derek Carr. And, you know, that's just kind of like a matter-of-fact thing. I'm, I'm not saying it can't get there, but I'm saying that that's not something that's being done. When we talk about, you know, Perryman coming back and being a true leader on defense— um, I'd like to see, I don't know who that is on offense yet. You know what I mean? It can't be a running back. You know, it, it's not, you know, usually you might have a guy on offensive line that kind of fills that role if the quarterback's not doing it. You know what I mean? Or, you know, some sort of dude, I don't see that personality on offense and I think it's struggling with it. So when we talk about, you know, not having that identity, not having that assertiveness, that's where the Raiders offense is right now because the Raiders offense had every opportunity to actually, you know, make some plays yesterday. And the fact that we were only now, now, you know, five weeks into the season. All right, cool. Yeah. We can run the ball pretty well. Yeah, dude. Like great. You know, um, we need to be able to throw the ball consistently and effectively and Derek Carr isn't still being able to go through his reads. You know, I mean, that's his, his speed is not there yet. Um, he doesn't look comfortable and, you know, we can say because of the offensive line, you know, look, the offensive line is going to still have poor grades. Alex Bars is in there. I think for the most part, Alex Bars is kind of out of this mix now. Um, he'll probably be, I think for the most part, he's been kind of cycled through. Now it kind of looks like Thayer Mumford on that uh, right tackle side. And um, I think they moved Parham again to, the other, to another guard. So we had a, a different iteration yesterday. It's not the end of the world. Everybody says it is. When we were running the ball like that, and now that we're kind of starting to run some of these jumbo sets with six linemen, I think that for the most part, these guys will come, the guys that we end up keeping will effectively figure it out, right? And I know that's kind of like counterintuitive if you listen to other podcast stuff or you just listen to any, like, you know, football news report things on the offensive line and this, this, and this. You know, 
It's very, very particular. A lot of people, you know, the professionals on this thing is a love man. You don't want to be cycling guys through. You don't want to have a guy playing right guard and then the next snap, you know, or the next series be playing left guard. You can't do that. You know what I mean? So much of this stuff is based on muscle memory and, you know, positioning and all of those, you know, in- intricacies of that. And you can't just assume somebody to be able to do this ambidextrously in real time. And I kind of feel that, you know, going forward, that's not really going to be the case. Um, look, we we all saw the game. Uh, we know what kind of let us down. You can kind of get on, you know, look, if you don't like Josh McDaniels going into this game, then you're going to rip him apart for uh, some of this play time, some of this play clock usage. I mean, look, the real issue right now is that the Raiders still don't have a real identity on offense besides Josh Jacobs. And even with the momentum that Josh Jacobs creates on these career games, now he's had, you know, two two in a row, essentially. Um, we still don't have a consistent passing attack. Derek Carr doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. His accuracy and his throws aren't really there. He kind of does some of these soft touch throws. And um, I don't know, just the motion's not there. They just kind of seem soft. And then especially on when he has that motion on some of these deep throws, it's... The hang time is too, you know, I mean, look, the, the hang time's too much. I'm not going to go to there. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that he just doesn't look comfortable. doesn't look like he's kind of uh, playing football at the speed that um, his team needs him to be. Um, we'll go through a couple of key metrics from the game that I just, you know, kind of some things that we've talked about already in this game. And then uh, we'll kind of take a minute after that and then basically talk about some of this AFC playoff picture um, what some of the you know numbers are saying right now for projections, what theoretically could happen for the Raiders going forward. Um, but just you know, real quick, remember uh, when we were talking about pace of play and we were talking about what we'd like to see from this offense. Uh, we know this run game is is, is improving. We're not going to beat people up over like small metrics of like, well, you should run the ball sixty seven times. You know, we're not doing all all types of things like that. But you know, these are just kind of key markers so that as we go through you know, week by week, we understand where some of those efficiencies are, what makes this team, you know, where some of these growth categories are for the team to focus on, or we can kind of like use as key metrics when analyzing the game later. Um, So we'll still use that offensive plays per game. Um, Look, so this game, you know, lack of offensive plays, what what was that? Some of these three and outs, you know, these were some mostly towards the second half and we were basically losing drives because, um, you know, stupid penalties. We had, you know, 11 penalties for 99 yards. Um, you know, we can think about that as what? Maybe eight eight free first downs for the Chiefs. Um, so, look, this team's still sloppy, stupid mistakes. We know about a couple of different ways this game could have been closed out by us. Um, you know, having mistakes on special teams. We've talked about special teams not being good. I mean, look, that that defensive holding call, some of these other calls in the second half, these were probably being made up for the car call. Um, this whole roughing the passer thing now with, like, you know, the Tua into Brady into now this Monday night thing where it's this was just a joke call. Um, look, you've been watching Raiders, you know that, you get BS calls like that sometimes and you can't really do much. I mean, look, we, we're just bystanders here. You know, we can get as as upset as we want, but here we go. You know, first down apparently. Okay. You know, um, 
that you know the, the only thing with that was like i was like all right well if this becomes this you know if this turns to be like a key point in the game then they'll just discredit you know something like that to this this penalty but you know that ended up being erroneous by the end of the game right because you know the, the real factor was you know all right so then we give him one on defense but and you give patrick mahomes what nine plays in the red zone at the end of the game he's going to get a touchdown you know so but you know regardless still we got the ball back here we are, end of the game, chance to close it out. Um, we're not going to say a bad car from or a bad throw from Carr, but you know, great catch from Devontae Adams. Um, look, didn't have his feet in, gets pulled back. Is that on Renfro because it's his first game back? It's you know, who know who knows? I mean, Troy Aikman said on on the camera that collision was probably caused from the caused from the press coverage. Um, was Devontae Adams in the, in the wrong there? We should have been on the outside. There's a, a bunch of different ways you can talk about it. Um, but look, this team still not on the same page on offense. We, we, we knew that going into it. Um, it's just upsetting to me and to loop this whole thing back around. Um, it's because, you know, going into this game, we identified key, ma- key metrics, key, key things to look at, you know, ways that the Chiefs could be beat. And then basically saying, look, the Chiefs are very, very susceptible right now. They aren't as good as they have been. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't score three touchdowns in, the, in a single quarter like he like he has the last three times he's, you know, beaten the brakes off the Raiders. So as much as we want to talk about the coaching staff or this, this, and this, this is probably one of the better games of the Raiders versus the Chiefs. And it has to do with, look, the Raiders lost this game. You know, and that's that's the game. The Raiders lost it. The Chiefs, they didn't get beat by the Chiefs. They didn't get blown out. They didn't, they didn't get beat by the Chiefs. They, they, you know, they let the, they, you know, made mistakes. These same mistakes that they've been, you know, making every single week. And we talk about, hey, man, this team should be 5-0. and Well, you know, we also know that this team is 1-4. and But that has the skill, the position, you know, the potential to be a 5-0 and team. And that's all that is, is underperforming. You know, we could we could blame that on coaching. You know, because we're this far into the into the season at this point, it's like, how are we not? How how do how come there's still miscommunication happening? And this is and you know, for me, the real miscommunication right now because if Derek Carr was throwing for maybe 350 yards a game instead of 250 yards a game, and maybe an extra touchdown, we could actually utilize some wide receivers um, to you know complement this run game that we're finally establishing. Then we wouldn't be talking about the defense. We wouldn't be talking about the play calling. We'd be talking about, wow, you know, Derek Carr has actually really come into himself. It looks like he's really, you know, thriving under this offense. He looks very comfortable back there because it's not the offensive line's fault. It's not ain't the wide receiver's fault. And some of the, you know, post-game in- interviews and things like that, when Derek Carr tries to explain the offense to all of us, he basically says, you know, that once everybody gets there, then this thing's really going to come together. And I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. He, I mean, he's kind of thrown it out there like it's, um, like it's almost somebody else's, you know, responsibility to do that. But you know, I, I have faith in him. I know that he wants to get better. I know that he's trying to be the best he can be. And look, I mean, he, he, he helped. Uh, you know, he he found a way to make it work in De- uh, against Denver, to extend plays with his legs. He's found ways to try to, you know, extend drives in this game. Um, and as far as I see it, you know, he's still the best quarterback on the team. So I mean, that's just. <laughs> that's what that's just this reality of the situation so um look we're gonna take a minute uh quick little break and then we'll look at what this loss means for the Raiders going forward uh for playoff implications and what we can kind of look at um around the rest of the league uh AFC <laughs> 
Alright, so now we're back. Look, this wouldn't be the Raider Wave podcast. We didn't offer some sort of context to what any of this stuff means as far as the Raiders in regards to the playoffs and, you know, getting deep into the playoffs. Look, because the Raiders could have won that game. The Raiders have every single piece to beat the Chiefs yesterday. With everything that we talked about go into this game, these key matchups, I feel like if we had Darren Waller out there um, for at least a couple more drives, we could have been right there on the passing attack. This team is not as bad as the record suggests. Um, that being said, some of the teams in the AFC right now are not as good as their record suggests. Uh, longevity, um, the ability to actually um, score points on offense, to run the ball effectively, um, you know, basically just luck of the draw as far as in- injuries and stuff like that. Look, the Raiders still have a higher likelihood now of making the playoffs than they did at a 0-3 start, which I think is um, pretty miraculous. And so we'll, we'll go into this now. This is basically just, um, this is uh, current playoff projections for the AFC, uh, basically likelihood. So at the top of this list, for example, we have Buffalo as a 96% to make the playoffs, a, ni- a 79% chance to win the title, uh, or the division rather, um, 35% chance to win conference championship to go in the Super Bowl and a 21% chance to win the Super Bowl. Um, so Buffalo actually highest rated right now to uh, win the Super Bowl at 21%. And I will say that Kansas City plays Buffalo next week. I think that they'll probably win that game. Like I said, Kansas City's offense really needs to figure something out. And um, they basically try to play small ball a little bit and basically a bunch of misdirection um, in that second half. But, you know, until they can really air it out and, you know, if you can stop the run like the way the Raiders were, then um, really limits what they're able to do. So, um, look, right now the Raiders have a 17% chance to make the playoffs um, and a 2% chance to win the division, right? So the teams rated above the Raiders right now to make the playoffs are, look, in the AFC, we got Indianapolis with also with a 17% chance to make the playoffs. Denver still has a 30% chance to make the playoffs. I don't see that. I think that that team is not a playoff team, and I think that the longer the the season goes on, that will be exposed. Um, New England has a 25% chance to make the playoffs. Based on that division, um, how the Jets' defense looks, um, how the Jets' offense kind of looks, a lot of young guys that are healthy, if they can stay healthy, we'll see. You know, they have... um, pretty decent strength of schedule going forward so look that's just enough to steal some games from new england uh the chargers right now nine or uh sorry 56 percent chance to make the playoffs so if we can kind of hang around with the chargers we can beat the chargers we have an easier schedule going forward than the chargers that's kind of where we're looking at um you know their projected win total right now for the season is Nine games, 9.2 games. So, um, you know, we're kind of right in that mark. We, we talked about coming into a soft spot in our schedule. We kind of know about that. Um, after the bye week, we have Houston. Then in New Orleans, in Jacksonville, and then uh, Indianapolis, and then in Denver, at Seattle. These are all winnable games. A lot of people said, you know, theoretically the Raiders can, you know, win out and turn this thing around. The Raiders can score points, and they can scheme well on defense, and they can run the ball effectively. That's basically where we're at now going into the bye week. Um, look, I know that this 
looks terrible. It's the early part of the season. It's not the way we wanted to start the early, the first car, the first quarter of the season. I think everybody was kind of surprised to see this, um, some of these struggles on offense early, early on. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're not 100% surprising. As much as you want to throw this on the coaching staff and things like that, this really comes down to Derek Carr at that line of scrimmage. What's going on? How effectively is he, you know, going through his reads, getting these guys engaged and getting them on board? You know what I mean? Um, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that from Carr. I think we need a little bit more um, assertiveness and direction. I mean, this this is still kind of nothing new, right? So um, when we talk about Derek Carr has the ability to push a team in the Super Bowl, all you need is this. You know, all you need is a guy not to make mistakes. Well, maybe we need a guy not to make mistakes, but he has to have a little bit of swagger to him as well. You know what I mean? He has to be engaging. He has to be able to really be able to lift up a team and we can rally around. So, look, I think he's got it in him. I think I'd like to see that, man. Like like I said, like we've talked about, I don't even know how many times, you know, I would love to see Derek Carr be one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league and just be assertive and, you know, have this offense just running at a very high level, you know what I mean, at, at, at what its potential could be. Um, right now, we kind of get a little bit of confusion from him. Um, we're making sure that we're getting targets to Devontae Adams, more or less, or getting him yards and touchdowns, or at least just touchdowns, you know what I mean? You're kind of accommodating your buddy there. And um, we're not seeing any sort of consistency as far as being able to um, you know, spread the ball around or anything like that. So as much as I want to knock some offensive play calling and things like that, um, you know, it's just, it still, you know, kind of starts and ends with Derek Carr and his ability to lead this team and this offense. So, um, you know, one more thing too, because uh, we have been getting some knocks on analytics in general. Um I don't think anybody who does um, analytics, sports analytics at the level that the NFL does them is just blindly following analytics 100% of the time. I think that the people that present analytics for the most part are probably very, very good at providing context to what these numbers actually mean. And they don't just mean that, hey, man, no matter what, fourth down, you got to go for it. 100%. You know what I mean? Nobody's saying that, right? We're looking at likelihood, and then we're also giving context to it. Like, for example, maybe the analytics said to go for the two-point conversion last night instead of kick the field goal. I think with how well we were running the ball, you could argue that, yes, we could just continue to run the ball, and um, Jacobs could easily get in there. Or you could also argue with how poor our red zone proficiency has been, that it's more likely for us to be able to kick a extra point than it is for us to, convo- to convert a two-point conversion at this point. So, look, we have to provide context. We have to provide, you know, clarity when we're looking at this information, right? So, um, but that doesn't mean that just because you don't agree with something based on analytic, you know, trajectory, that it may, that it's probably more likely to happen based on this than that. That doesn't mean that you just throw the baby out in the bathwater and we completely abandon all analytics all the time. You know, there is... um, you know, when we look at what we want to have as far as all these metrics go, when we talk about, you know, offensive efficiency and balance and things like that, you know, that isn't just kind of made up things. It's because they've been proven to be successful. And then if we actually, you know, even if we take out of any sort of bias and we just look at the most successful teams in the NFL year over year, we can notice trends in what successful football teams do, right? So, analytics aren't just some blind thing that came in to make the game dumb for nerds or or something like that right so just look you know 
this is all fun and games uh, for more and less, you know. Uh, thanks again for listening. And, you know, this week we'll do into the bye week. We're going to look at the AFC. We're probably going to try to focus a little bit more on um, where this team has been successful and what this means. Look, it's, it's very, very frustrating to go into a bye week with the one and four record. I think many, many people feel like the season is done. A lot of people that like to emotionally react and respond to these things are, and just like to maybe revert to a despondent nature when uh, thinking about their the Raiders or any of their professional sports teams, for example. Um, you know, look, we are not there yet. Um, like I said, this team still has a lot of talent, very high caliber, you know, ceiling when we look at these types of things. And even still, I mean, this team for having lost, um, you know, four out of five games, always scoring close to 20 points a game, always scoring touchdowns at least once a game, um, not getting blown out. Every game's been consistent. They've been able to come back from, you know, a deficit. They've been able to put points up and, and maintain a lead. Uh, they just haven't been able to do things consistently yet and close out games. And I know that's kind of like a blanket answer, you know, just be more consistent, close out games. But look, this team is by no means um, some of the dregs of uh, variations of just sloppy teams based on, you know, poor skill position players, uh, poor play calling, poor coaching staff, you know, limited resources. This is nowhere near this type of uh, franchise right now. So look, as much as we maybe want to feel bad and sorry for ourselves, the Raiders um, are struggling right now. I think all of us know that this team, the only real reason that this is upsetting or even, um, you know, bothering is that this team has so much potential to be good and to be great. And I think that Look, it's all on the table right now. We still have close to a 20% chance to make the playoffs, and Miami has like, like a 35% chance to make the playoffs. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in that quarterback room. You know, that's not really being as consistent as you'd like to be. Same, uh, same deal with the Chargers, man. Chargers, Justin Herbert, you don't just kind of walk away from a rib injury. Now they got Brandon Staley on the hot seat about talking about his fourth down play calling, right? Maybe, you know, maybe we just need to throw analytics over the bus. Everything's, you know, in shambles over there. Plus, we talked about the ownership dispute with the Chargers. These are things that carry over, you know, week over week over week, and they become, you know, contention, you know, problems of contention. And as much as we like to pretend that, like, our problems are the biggest ones in the NFL, they absolutely are not. And the Raiders, you know, absolutely have a chance to make the playoffs. Absolutely, absolutely have the chance to beat the brakes off of some of these teams that are playing in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, this team is committed to getting better week over week, like we've talked about. We've seen it on the field. We've heard it in, you know, all the press conferences, all these other things. We've heard about this team getting better. We're actually watching it happen in real time, regardless of what people will say about some of these mistakes. Look, we had some bad penalties. Other than that, you know, look, it's all the same things. People are growing. This team is getting better. Like we said, you know... Once we have a, good, a real offseason to go through free agency and, and the draft and, and develop some of these guys, and now, and now it's year two in this system, this team is going to be very, very, very good. And we've talked about that, so don't give up hope yet. We still actually have a lot of opportunity and potential for this season to be great. We still have a chance to make the playoffs. Don't beat yourself up. And until next time, peace. I'm out of here.